is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Almost a year after the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, we are learning more and more new and disturbing details about how former President Donald Trump and his allies tried to essentially just steal an election. Many of the very same people who helped organize those attacks on our democracy are now working out in the open to both undermine confidence in our elections and plan for how they might overturn the next election that doesn't go their way. For those reasons, Democrats in Congress are acting to curb executive abuses of power. Last week, the U.S. House passed the Protecting Our Democracy Act, largely along party lines. Among other things, it would prohibit presidents from pardoning themselves, would beef up enforcement of the emoluments clause to prevent presidents from profiting off of their position in office, and attempts to curb presidents' ability to declare national emergencies in order to seize or maintain power. Here to talk about that legislation and other news from Washington, D.C. is Congressman Andy Levin. He is a Democrat who serves Michigan's 9th Congressional District. Uh, Congressman, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. It's great to be with you. Yeah. So I noted a few things that uh, Protecting Our Democracy Act aims to do. Uh, what are some of the other provisions that you think are really important? And talk about how critical uh, Democrats think this is, given what we have experienced over the last four years, and especially on January 6th. Well, you know, we have um, other uh, legislation that's so important to protect our democracy in the sense of voting rights and the whole uh, election process itself. But if you if you really take partisanship out of it and you just say, wow, what happened during the four years uh, Donald Trump was there, uh, there was really whatever party he was in, he stretched the boundaries of appropriate behavior of democracy in many ways. And so the this bill really attempts to uh, learn those lessons and prevent uh, misbehavior in the future. So it's other things, for example, include smooth presidential transitions, like that you actually, if you lose an election, you give over information and help the next uh, president get ready uh, to take office. Uh, remember about the foreign interference in the election in 2016. So there's provisions about you have to report that if it's happening and how to prevent it. Um, remember that this uh, president uh, didn't want to bother getting people confirmed or wanted to put extreme people in who couldn't get confirmed into cabinet positions. So he simply used acting officials instead of putting people up for Senate confirmation. So it deals with that. The whole question of the independence of inspectors general, right? He, he undermined them. He fired them. It was shocking. Mm -hmm. Well, we learned that we better pass laws so that the independence of inspectors general um, is, is not in question. Um, congressional subpoenas, you know, that's an inherent power uh, from the Constitution, but we learned that we better uh, put it into statute so that they happen uh, quickly. There, It's clear how they can be enforced. 
So really what Chairman Schiff, the Intelligence Committee has done here and what we passed through the House is learn the lessons of the last four years uh, and put into law ways that we can make sure our democracy functions properly, regardless of whatever parties uh, holding the White House. So uh, you're emphasizing there the idea that this is or should be a bipartisan idea and a bipartisan message. But even Republicans who voted in favor of impeaching President Trump after January 6th, people like Fred Upton and Pete Meyer from here in Michigan, they voted against the passage of this bill, the Protecting Our Democracy Act. So tell me why Democrats weren't able to get more bipartisan support for this. Well, I think the, that speaks to the to the point that we really have a political party, one political party, one of our two major political parties in this country that has gone off the rails of democracy completely and that has become a cult of personality. Uh, different polls show 60 to 70 percent of Republicans actually believe the lie that uh, Joe Biden didn't win the election and that, you know, they, the big lie that the election was stolen and so forth. And so I, Republican elected officials, Republican members of Congress are uh, catering to their base or of these, of these, uh, this cabal that's trying to uh, really overturn our democracy and have this kind of authoritarian personage hmm. be in power. And it's, it's a crisis, Stephen, I consider this a, Real crisis for our democracy. Well, it's certainly it's certainly un- unexplainable in just raw intellectual terms how you could think that uh, President Trump deserved to be impeached for his role in inciting what happened on January sixth, and then not want the legislation that would prevent a lot of the things that led up to that from from happening. And certainly, next time Fred Upton and Pete Meyer are here in the program, I'll ask him about it. Uh, but. Another person who might be hard to convince about this bill is President Biden. He's indicated that he supports the larger goals, but it's not clear whether he'll support some of the things that would affect his presidency most directly. And here I think we get into the idea that everyone who winds up in the White House, I think, ends up being a defender of the powers that come along with uh, with that office. What's your sense of whether the White House is even going to go along with what you're you're doing here. Well, you know, the, the, we would have to, it would have to pass the Senate as well as the House. And, you know, there's, there's not much prospect of that until we can get rid of the filibuster as we should or modify it or elect, a, a, you know, a stronger Senate with that's more democracy oriented. But I do, I think the discussion between the Article One branch, the Congress, and the Article Two branch, the the White House or the Executive branch, and and you know tussling over the boundaries of our various powers is a healthy and important one, and I and I think Joe Biden comes to it in good faith, and uh, you know it would be it would be great to really have a serious discussion about okay you know which aspects of this do, are you troubled by? Do you think it goes? too far somehow to appoint to, you know, protect whistleblowers. Um, another provision I didn't mention yet, um, or as you mentioned, you know, the preventing the, the president from uh, declaring national emergencies 
to stay in power? Um, what, what parts of it specifically don't you like? And, you know, I'm sure we'd all, we're all open to tweaking it around the edges, but I doubt Joe Biden has trouble with 90% of what's in here because it's really putting guardrails around our democracy in a very fundamental way and preventing things that, um, you know, Joe Biden would never consider doing. For example, welcoming foreign interference in an election to benefit him. I mean, anybody who's a patriot would say, yeah, I want to be the next president or I want to win my reelection to Congress, but I'm going to win fair and square, dang it. And I'm not going to accept any help from some foreign country. No way would I do that. Right. You know, so I think most of this uh, Joe Biden would be fine with. And then if he wants to fuss about some of the boundaries of it, we'd be happy to discuss that. Yeah. So I'm talking with Congressman Andy Levin, a Democrat from Bloomfield Township who represents Michigan's 9th District in Washington. We're talking right now about the Protect Our Democracy Act, uh, which aims to rein in some of the excesses of um, uh, of executive power that we have seen on really vivid display in the last four years, uh, as Donald Trump was uh, was the president of the United States, uh, there's some question about whether even President Biden, uh, who is a Democrat and a much more respectful, I think, uh, public servant uh, than Donald Trump, uh, will go along with all of the provisions of that act. Uh, I also want to talk with Congressman Levin about uh, Oxford, Michigan, which is part of uh, the district that he represents in in Congress. And we're going to talk about a few other things. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call and tell us whether you support efforts in Congress to curb executive abuses of power. What do you think needs to be done to counter attempts to undermine our elections in America, which, let's be honest, that is high on the agenda of the people who were unsuccessful at undoing the results of the 2020 election. They are busy trying to gain power and responsibility that would allow them to disallow votes uh, the way they tried in 2020, in uh, 2022, or in 2024. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Andy, I want to talk about Oxford. You were there earlier this month for the vigil for the four students who were murdered at the high school there. I wonder what you heard from the community there. I mean, I, I, you know, we, we keep talking about this in policy terms here on the show, and that's really important. There's a, a number of policy things we ought to be thinking about and probably changing. Uh, but this is also a this is also uh, such a personal and community issue. And I, I am really eager to hear more about how this community is is dealing with this. Absolutely. Well, first, let me just made clear that that Oxford is in um, the 8th district in Alyssa Slotkin's district. It is near my district. I've been to that very school for when my kids played the soccer game there, a basketball game. I've been in the gym. Uh, So, um, you know, I'm an Oakland County 
dad of four, so it's very close to me, but it's in Slotkin's district. That's right. It's in it's in another district. I've got it yeah, all mixed okay. up there. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. So um I, you know, it was it's just devastating, Stephen. And I think one of the things that we just don't appreciate is the devastation of of guns, uh, violence, of of massacres like this, of of the individual gun deaths that happen so often, the the devastation on families, on you know friends, students, communities that go last for years and decades. Um, I mean, we've had over 530 mass shootings in 2021 alone, 34,000 deaths from guns. And so, you know, the, the, the toll of this is just not discussed enough. So in Oxford, I mean, the community is reeling. And just think of each of those kids, their friends, their boyfriend or girlfriend, their the kids in there who went to chemistry class with them, the kids that they played with on the football team or in, were in the bowling team or anything like that. And just to have a 14, 16, 17-year-old person just taken away in an instant, and then, well, it could happen to me. You know, so the kids are afraid. They're trying to cope with it. It interrupts their learning. It scars them. And, you know, on that stage at the, at the, at the candlelight vigil, uh, the local clergy, the local police and fire leaders, you know, everybody is uh, just so devastated by this. And of course, speaking as a parent, you just, there's no, nothing you can say about the idea of losing a child like that. I, I would be devastated, Stephen, I can't even imagine. So um, I do, you know, I think it's going to be a lot of healing for that community. It's unbelievable how they've come together. They're so, you know, they've been so wonderful and so strong taking care of each other. But we do have to turn to policy solutions to stop this carnage, which literally happens every week in America from the fact that we have, you know, for every 100 Americans, there's 120 firearms, and there's no other country that's even close. Uh, no other country even has 40. Yeah. I mean, so, and then, you know, obviously safe storage laws come into focus here. So it's a, you know, I my reaction is always that I'm sick of thoughts and prayers, and it's time for those of us with the power to act, to act and pass laws, some of which, Stephen, 80, 90% of Americans support. Yeah. Gun People owners support, support this. Republicans yeah. support, Democrats support. And yet the gun lobby has such a stranglehold over one political party that we don't get and make any progress. It's just, a, it's shameful. Okay. Uh, Andy Levin, Democrat from Bloomfield Township. It is always great to have you here to talk about these issues on Detroit today. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Stephen. Take care. We'll talk with you soon. That's going to do it for us today. I hope you come back tomorrow when we are going to talk about a $3.3 billion spending bill in Lansing to help replace lead water lines all over the state. Think of not just the water crisis in Flint, 
but the one that is still going on in Benton Harbor and who could be next if we don't get moving on that project. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.